0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.
1: It is now officially the off-season version of Hockey Central at noon. The Stanley Cup has been awarded. Many celebrated, others did not. Uh, Now we are getting ready for the NHL Draft in its usual time of October. Welcome to Hockey Central at Noon. I'm Peter Klein. I think Will Nault is joining at some point, maybe. Riley Pollock is our producer today who has to deal with a few things uh, on the go. A couple of them are getting our guest for the program today at 12.30. Eric Dehatrick will be stopping by. But first, we chat with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius.
2: Flames insider Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Right
1: circle Hayskin at right point. Klingberg shoots. Blocked. It's out of the zone. It's in the neutral zone. Eight seconds left. Buckley Goodrell after it. Shoots wide right of the open net. Time takes down. The Lightning with the Stanley Cup. They've reached the top of the mountain. They are the Stanley Cup champs! Wow. So if you missed it there, Tampa Bay won. Uh as they are your 2019 <laughs> and eventually 2020 Stanley Cup champions. Uh Peter Lavardius, Will Nult, and Peter Klein with you on this one. Uh quite the the quite the final game, Lou. What did you
2: take from uh game six? That Tampa had the best players overall that Tampa's best players in all the key situations were better. And despite an incredible run by the Dallas stars, and I completely tip my cap to what Rick Bonus's bunch was able to do all the injuries that they had to overcome um, the types of teams that they beat on their road to getting to the final two that tamp in the end, especially last night was just too much. And I don't know if you guys saw it exactly the same way, but uh, is Will there or is he not there?
1: I'm here. Luke. I believe Will's there.
2: Hi, hi, pal. Um, I just and I wanted to bring you in because I saw your tweet and you sent me a text um, as the game was going on last night about you know one group doesn't seem to have very much left in the tank, and I couldn't agree with you more. And could you have really played guys a much more complete game? than Tampa did to close it out you know they didn't score a pile but they were completely in control they defended beautifully they gave up so little and when they did Vasilevsky was excellent that that was a incredibly complete I thought final exclamation mark from the champs
0: no, I'm i right there with you, and and you know really as you're watching that game play out, I I, I felt like as soon as Blake Coleman scored, it was kind of game over. I, I, I mm-hmm. nothing in that game suggested to me that Dallas is going to find a way to score three goals. Unfortunate because there was still half a game to go, uh, but the way that Tampa defended, the way they attacked, the way that they protected the puck um and and really just played their game uh from start to finish of that game last night i i I gave no no chance to dallas uh, in in your words lou they were kind of in the no chance motel as soon as blake coleman scored their goal (laughs)
2: yeah i agree without a key
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) um yeah it did kind of seem like they put everything they had into coming back in game five and, and just Not a whole lot left in that tank, and that's why when we talk about how legitimate will this Stanley Cup be, Lou, uh, I think you have to look at this as a legitimate Stanley Cup win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. This was It was different, but the the hockey was still a grind. You're not getting on flights, but you're playing back-to-backs. I I think you you can look at this as as kind of the similar battle of attrition that these guys go through in a, a regular Stanley Cup playoff.
2: Well, it was not going to have an asterisk in any way, shape, or form for me going in, and it certainly doesn't coming out. Uh, were the situations very different than normal? Absolutely. And I know people have pointed to you know the lack of travel, and I'd be the first to tell you that that was a factor. But this whole hockey tournament and playoffs, if you will, it was all about hockey. It demanded an incredible amount, not physically but mentally, being in that bubble. And I think and, and you know, John Cooper put it this way and, and did before his team even won, that while some are, you know, disparaging it and, and maybe you guys are in that camp and that's and that's all fine, well and good. If you are, maybe you're not, but but I truly believe it may have been one of the hardest ever to win despite the no travel
1: yeah I think when you look at being away from family for that long and just the the weird situations that that go into it and something that that I had talked about a couple of times where you're not going back to your home arena to get that momentum boost to try to turn things around you have to manufacture that internally um I, I think this is I mean look we're all going to remember this one, that's for sure. But I, I think, Will, there? there is no doubt that a deserving champion was crowned in this whole thing.
0: Yeah, I remember going in before we kind of saw how the plan would play out and, and the whole bubble format and, and just kind of how everything went along. I think everyone was saying maybe this Stanley Cup is going to have a, a bit of an asterisk beside it. I, I, I don't see that now that we've seen it all play out. We've seen the the journey and the fact that they were inside a bubble-like atmosphere for 64 days is, is nothing um, to scoff at. That's got to be incredibly trying. It's got to be an incredibly hard mental grind. Uh, you've got nothing to essentially get away from. You're always in it. And, and yes, you love your teammates, but that's a lot of time with them. And uh, again, your downtime is essentially in a hotel room with uh, FaceTime involving friends and family. So um, it, it was an incredible grind. And then you, you factor in that really for the first time in, in kind of history, at least um, the last, you know, two, three decades, the fact that you're playing back-to-back games in the postseason, uh, you're playing at, at different times of the day, which can, can sometimes screw up and mess up with your psyche. Um, I I don't see how this can be held as as an asterisk and and yes the round robin is is something that Tampa played a part in but um, you know they essentially kind of went through five rounds of of playoffs in in two months and um, I I just don't see how anyone could could sit here and argue that there should be an asterisk beside it I, I, I don't know if it's the hardest to win. Uh, or, or, the hardest one that we've seen. Um, but there's no question. It was a, a grind for Tampa and, uh, you saw that with, with some of the, the answers we've heard the last couple of days. I mean, the fact that, uh, Rick bonus was talking about, he, he didn't even feel grass on his feet for eight weeks. So that's, I mean, that's just things you don't think about. And, um, you know, that's, that's an incredibly hard mental challenge. And, uh, uh, kudos to Tampa and, and really for you know to Dallas as well for, for going as far and, and fighting as hard as they did with all the injuries they had and the amount of times they were down and out in games they could have easily folded up their tent, but they had nine come from behind victories and, and they were two wins away from the Stanley Cup.
1: And so now the, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning celebrating today, hopefully uh, a bit more socially distanced than we saw some of the fans uh, in some of those shots last <laughs> night.
2: Uh, <'cause, laughs> I knew who, somebody that... was going to get there before too long. Oh boy. Oh, that well, one stressed it, it me it did out. happened in Florida. Yeah, that, that's that true. That certainly yeah. hasn't occurred since March. Now has it?
1: <laughs> no, no, they, they've been very responsible until now. Uh, but looking at uh, looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning and how they were constructed, like uh, a few holdovers from that team that made a run a few years ago. But Lou Julian Breezeball doing a, a very good job of putting the finishing touches on this team.
2: Well, guys, you have already spent lots of time on the big show breaking down, analyzing you know, as we have Peter on this show too, at least in part about what's coming next, take the Calgary Flames for an example. But the Tampa Bay Lightning did some very significant things to put them in the position to win the Stanley Cup. And they came out of last year's horrific disappointment of being swept in the first round after winning 62 games and to the credit of julian brisebois he did not stand pat he completely changed some key areas he got bigger when he added patrick maroon with some experience but those two moves that he made you know a couple of them and there were others including luke shen played a really really nice part uh zach bogosian played a really really nice part But the two big ones, and they came at a cost, guys. Let's not kid anybody. The acquisitions of Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow for first-round picks and prospects, that was a big price to pay. But in my opinion, it allowed them to be way more of a blend team. That line was incredibly key, as much as the big line. And I don't ever want to take anything away from their big players. But without that combination of Gord, Goodrow, and Coleman, I truly feel that they don't win. And it gave them a different dimension. Um, It still left them with lots of speed. It gave them a checking matchup line, regardless of who they played. They more than held their own in terms of their offensive production. Will already obviously made mention of, you know, not – the game winner by Braden point, but the cup clincher by Blake Coleman coming off the turnover that took a lot of gumption. They gave up a lot guys to, to make those changes, but they assessed as an organization that even though they had the most talent, the talent wasn't enough. They needed a different mix and a different blend and they paid, but would anybody trade them right now? not a chance
1: no no and that I remember seeing because I was off in another country at the the trade deadline and waking up and saying they what for who okay well that seems like a wild overpay but now will I mean they're celebrating with a trophy there's going to be a banner whenever they play the next time saying Stanley Cup champions I guess the, the ends justify the means yeah, and they had to make some tough decisions
0: to lose point. I know that uh, Brian Burke made mention of it on the uh, on the panel last night. Could you imagine this lightning team with JT Miller? Uh, they traded him obviously yes. to Vancouver in the off season. So, I mean, Lou, they, they had to make some tough choices. But, um, you know, as we're seeing right now in this city even, I know to a different extent the Flames don't have, you know, President's Trophy banners or... or Uh, a ton of deep playoff runs with this core group much like Tampa did uh, with runs to multiple conference finals and and a Stanley Cup appearance a few years ago but um, this is you know when you when you continue to get to the playoffs and you can't get over that hump or or can't you know get to where you want to go you're going to have to make some tough decisions and and we're seeing that now in, in Calgary and and who knows what you know their roster looks like when next season begins but Um, they have to do that in Tampa obviously some of that was was cap issues as well but uh, that's all part of becoming a championship team is sometimes you got to make some some really tough decisions and some subtractions that you don't want to but uh, if it's not working you've got to make tweaks to your identity
2: and and I love the point you brought up about the one guy in particular and and that's JT Miller and and the other thing that happens well that can be really hard to identify sometimes and don't think that there weren't certain points this season where Julian Breeze and the Tampa Bay lightning weren't going. Why did, uh, maybe did, did we really need to move that particular guy, but understand this sometimes that, you know, no matter the scenario, whether it's on teams in a business, you know, where you work, that people fit in certain places better than others. And one of the reasons is, and I point to J.T. Miller, is he wasn't going to be in the same kind of role that he ended up in Vancouver now, was he? So he went there, he embraced it, he checked every box for the Canucks, and, and I think he was one of the breakout players of the whole season. I believe that, right across the league. But in Tampa, they understood, like you said, well, between the cap, they needed something a little bit different. And JT Miller probably, you know, was he watching last night and found himself somewhat disappointed? Probably in some ways. But he needed to be in a bigger role scenario. And that's, you know, so it paved its way for that. And Vancouver did incredibly well. And it left Julian Breezebaw in a different situation. And he found guys who were very well suited to play in the roles in the lineup. They found chemistry and they won a Stanley Cup. So they are hard decisions. And, and that's what, you know, sports and life sometimes is all about. And when we analyze and break it down... To build, this is what it is for me, guys, it's, it's when we assess sometimes we always kind of look at who the most talented players are, but it's about building your team and who fits and what you need and what role. And, and that is an incredibly difficult chore for all GMs and organizations, but the value on team and the role and building the chemistry and the culture. When you find that, you found something. But remember, this is a team that won 62 games. And did they make significant changes that were hard? They did. Mm-hmm. And for me, they're the gold standard of the league. In the last six years, they've been to the Final Four four times and now have won a Stanley Cup. Pretty good resume, don't you think?
1: yeah yeah I think uh basically every organization would take that right now that's um gold yeah.
2: standard in the league for me right now
1: yeah they they are the measuring stick for sure uh chatting with flames insider peter Labardi is here on hockey central at noon uh before we get uh, too far into draft stuff do just want to have uh, a quick uh stick tap to the National Hockey League. This was uh, a tournament that, quite frankly, I was a little skeptical of when everything was coming into place, but seeing how they've been able to do it for the last few months with no positive tests, a championship has been awarded safely. um, I I think major kudos to the National Hockey League for pulling this off.
2: Well, the plan was great, and I'd even take it one step further, Mr. Klein, and that is remember that not only did they put this unbelievable hockey tournament together in a bubble and have it go off really without a lot of hitches, at least from the outside, looking in as well, you know, beautifully laid out, you know, unless you're in it, you don't understand all the challenges and we never will because we weren't. Uh, However, you know, they also achieved something else, labor peace and more labor peace, on top of, you know, just this playoff tournament. So, you know, for for two sides, the NHL and the Players Association, who, by the way, um, we don't have to look too far back to see where they couldn't be collaborative in COVID at a very difficult time with the business changing and I think changing for a long time. Not only did they find a way to do this, they got to a better place in so many different ways and in key areas so you know it's it's a standing ovation for me it, it really is for all the sides involved in pulling all of it together
1: so now the attention shifts to the most unique uh, nhl draft that we have uh, ever had to deal with uh i know mock draft come uh, mock draft coming to the airwaves in a bit you guys are both going to be very big parts of our draft coverage over the next week or so. Uh, Lou, before we we go too far into some of the other specifics, looking at it from a Flames perspective, how do you view the, the Flames system and what they might be looking to add as we approach the draft coming up here in a week?
2: Well, when I look at the system, gents, I probably start first and foremost, you know, on defense, just because they've drafted so well And whether it was Rasmus Anderson, you know, we've even seen lots of games out of Oliver Shillington, depending on his future. I think we all cannot wait. I I think I'm speaking for all three of us about Yusuf Valimaki and if he can ever get back into game action and stay healthy. I think we're all on the same page that what a find this first round pick could be. Now, to their credit, they added... Connor Mackey and Colton Poolman they're both 24 years of age college free agent signings there's not a lot of question I don't think after what I witnessed and it was only for a week in the case of Connor Mackey who was you know part of the Flames training camp and and I saw lots of good things in that week and wouldn't even be shocked if he was you know, on the Flames opening day roster when the next season begins. So they've helped themselves. But I, I think there's some room there to add some more pieces in terms of potential guys to play on defense. Now, the issue with that, and I'm going to ask your guys' opinion on this in a second, because I think it's really important part of the Flames as they get set for the draft. So there are four defensemen really that I see that I would take by the time you get to number 19. Two of them for me will be off the board for absolute sure. And in fact, all four might be in the two guys who are at a different level in Jamie Drysdale and a guy with Calgary ties and that's Jake Sanderson. And then the next two in what isn't a great draft for defensemen next year's draft, remember this name, okay? and Will and I have this a lot. Remember the name Brant Clark, okay? File that one. File that one as a high-end defenseman for next year. But it's not that deep on defense, and the next two guys are both out of the Western League in Caden Gooley of the Prince Albert Raiders and Braden Schneider of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Now, if you're the Flames and you can land somehow, probably one of those two guys then I'm then I'm good. Um, There's lots and lots of forwards in this draft and what's a deep draft for sure. Now the next need for the flames for me is can you add to your potential top six pool? I'm not sure I see anybody necessarily in that neighborhood in that spot, although there's lots of good. So with Hearing all of that, and remember, you know, forward-wise, I'm a big fan of Pelche, you know, the Nikolaev kid over out of Russia. I think you're going to see him at the World Junior for his home country in Edmonton coming up, you know, at Christmas time. He's off to a great start in the Russian Junior League this year. Uh, you know, the Pedersen kid out of the University of Denver. There, there's some good. There's there's better strength, obviously, in the system up front outside of I'm not sure I see a for sure elite top six type player. But the Flames already have some of those in where I think Dylan Dubé is headed and where we've already seen Andrew Mangiapane. So the last part of this, I'm sorry for being my usual long-winded self, but laying that out for you guys, and I've heard you a little bit, is the pick in play for you guys.
1: Uh, it is for me. Uh, I think it, it can't just be like, I don't think the Flames are in a spot where, yeah, first round pick for a Barkley Goodrow makes a lot of sense. Like that's the the final piece to a puzzle. But I, I think if you're looking at making a, a substantial core altering move, that first round pick is is very much in play for me. Uh, what about you, Will?
0: Yeah, I'm not actually shopping it. I, I don't know if, if, if they didn't trade it and they kept it and they picked at 19, I'd, I'd be okay. Um, I, I'm kind of with you, client. I don't see them in a position like a Tampa, um, you know, or like a Vegas where you're trading a first round pick to, um, you know, just grab somebody, whether it be a rental or even as a, a salary dump, you know, adding that as a sweetener, which Vegas might have to do at some point this off season. I don't see Calgary being in that spot, but if you're adding it to a, a bigger deal now, I'm not saying just, you know, trade player X with a first round pick for, Um, somebody in return like I'm talking you know a big bigger deal that's going to really alter your team and it's part of a hockey trade that's where I can maybe get on board Um, but this is also a team that you know has made multiple moves at the draft table with this GM in place Lou so you know nothing is is certainly off the table Um, but I I don't see them in a position of, of trading that pick um, to add a roster player because i think that you know it could be better used in a different situation
2: well i i agree with you will and and peter both i i agree on both accounts and and well stated by both of you and you know even a lot can happen right gents before you even get to number 19 so like i said the game changes at 19 based on if if indeed you're interested and i'm not saying i know for sure that the flames are interested in either of those two players there might be a forward there you know a winger because there's lots of wingers and there's lots of centers who fall into that area they might be absolutely in love with somebody even if you go back to last year you know and and i i like pelche a lot but when he's when his name was called there Certainly it opened some eyes, didn't you think, at the time? So, you know, and this draft very much because of after, I would say, guys, and we had just a blast, as we always do, putting the mock draft together this morning, um, it's deep. The first 10 or 12 guys, uh, they're, I, I think you almost can't miss in that wheelhouse. But then the next tier is pretty darn good from about, you know, 12 to 25, and the Flames are in that wheelhouse. Personally, I'd love to see them get their hands on one of those two guys on defense, but that's not to say that there's not a forward there. And as we get set for the, you know, the amateur draft, if you will, with the flat cap, guys, I've thought about this a lot, and and a cap that's probably going to stay not very different for the next five years, I really believe that. Don't you think your pro scouts and their ability, what they watch to help you, not only guys make trades based on who they've observed in the NHL, but how about at the AHL level or your scouts in Europe? I think that scouting staff, your pro scouting staff right now, and they've always been important may become even more important because of the cap. And the other factor is, and Peter, we went there yesterday a little bit, but remember, and, and I've wondered, and I, I, I'm trying to come up with an answer and I can see it from both sides. Now, remember when you pick kids this year, right now your development process is stunted. You don't have, like you have guys in your system, they don't even have places to play. Mm -hmm. or it's delayed so does that change i was gonna ask you about
0: that lou sending prospects to the khl
2: well listen um you need places for people to develop and and right now you know a, a bit of an exodus has been made to europe but i really wonder now i don't think it will because our good pal sammy cosentino also brought up the fact so you know draft picks have never been more important in the cap world but the development piece is really important and then the other thing is you know understanding that many leagues like the western league the ontario league you know colleges because those are either going to be delayed or certainly aren't going to be what they've been in the past now as an amateur scouting staff you don't necessarily You're looking at a season where you're not going to have the same book as you normally would on, you know, like primarily the 03 birthdays coming next. So it's uh, I know I went to a lot of places there, but I did because there's lots of stuff to think about.
1: And we have uh, a week still to think about it as we get ready for the NHL draft. Uh, we'll have to pause the conversation for today, Lou. Really looking forward to the, the mock draft and hearing what you guys put together. That is always my favorite thing at the station every year. Uh, so looking forward to that. And we will uh, chat tomorrow as, again, I'm sure the NHL draft will come up. If you're looking for the importance of the draft, look no further than the cup champions who had a lot of guys who they drafted hoisting a trophy at the end of that one yesterday.
2: Uh, And it was great. And my last thing today, just a a few shutouts to see Braden point from the time he was 12, his progression, incredible playoff, just absolutely awesome. Steven Stamkos, class, class, known him since he was 15. Luke Shen, same type of thing. Al Murray, who I've known forever, They're you know, their head scout. Um, It's neat when you get to know people watch their development, watch what they've built in terms of, you know, scouts and all the hard work that goes in and see it come to fruition. That was uh, pretty neat to watch last night. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
1: Uh, great spot to end off with Lou there. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, Eric DeHatchuk for more on the Stanley Cup Final as the Tampa Bay Lightning are your champions. We'll dissect it with our NHL insider Eric DeHatchuk next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hockey Central at
1: noon on I'm Peter Klein. He is Walnalt. Very pleased to be joined by our next guest, our NHL insider Eric Dehatchek. Eric, how are you today, sir?
3: I'm good. I'm good. I was very interested to see if uh, Tampa could uh, finish it off. It, I don't know. To me, it it did have like a feeling of inevitability that uh, that the Lightning were going to win that series. Uh, you know, Dallas just. I, I thought I had nothing left in the tank at the end. they just kept going back to the emotional well over and over and over again. And, and, and finally, there, there just wasn't there very much left. But it's strange when you get down to those short strokes in, in, in the Stanley Cup final, when you can see that finish line in sight like like Tampa can. If you let up at all for just a short period of time, suddenly, you know, you're playing game seven and then who knows, right? It's a coin flip. So I, I thought that... Um, you know, when we think of Tampa, we think of a team that's, uh, that's just like so much fun to watch and, and offensively gifted, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought that they were very clinical and very methodical in the way they won that final game. And I think that that's a, a sign of maturity uh, that they didn't have a year ago. And, and also what you know, what Luvo talked about in the last uh, segment, which is, you know, that they, they just had a little bit more grit at the bottom half of the roster. And then those guys were difference makers when it mattered.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting to look at the progression of this team as and they talked a bit, a bit about it on the broadcast today or yesterday, where they were mentioning, like, this was a team that just it was offense, 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 great, a show on ice, let's go. And the maturity of, of all those years and some of the playoff disappointments, you could see some of that kind of manifesting itself in that final game.
3: Yeah, and what I would tell you is that, you know, like, if you compare those two teams side by side, the team that, uh, that was swept in the first round by Columbus, but you know, like was, was all world in the regular season and compared it to the team that, that basically lifted the Stanley Cup, and he, even, you know, accounting for the fact that Steven Stamkos wasn't able to play two years team ago was better on paper. It, it was, it was better on paper. He, if you break it down, you know, player for player, uh, you know, the presence of JT Miller compared to, you know, the guys that they brought in, I, I think that was a better team on paper, but, but, you know, the game isn't won on paper, right? The game is won on the ice, and sometimes it's hard to measure the intangibles that, that someone like a Blake Coleman can bring to the mix or a Barclay Goodrell. I mean, we, we know a little bit about Goodrow because he played in San Jose, and uh, and you know, you, you saw him at, you know fairly frequently just because of, the, of of the nature of the of the schedule. But but I'll bet you when they made that trade, there, there were all kinds of people wanting I. Barkley, you know they, they wouldn't have known who you know when, when they hear the name Guro they they only think of one guy they, you know that short guy that plays in Calgary right they had no idea was <laughs> so so this isn 't a name that resonates uh around the national hockey League, except in you know the deepest circle of the people who pay the, the the closest attention so you know i mean that, that's a, you know everyone wants to sort of extrapolate lessons from from you know what you can learn from a from a team that wins well that, that's the lesson this year, but it's also a lesson lesson every year that that it doesn't matter how good you are on paper. It has to come together on the ice. There has to be chemistry there. There has to be players willing to play roles. There have to be players that that have have, have enough mileage on them in in their in their careers to 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 play those roles. You know, like sometimes you know you you can be developing bottom six forwards uh, that that just take time to mature. Oh, look at look at Dylan Dubé. You know, like from from the moment he arrived in the National Hockey League. As this kind of unfinished product to the progression that we've seen uh, with him, and in, in, you know, over the last say say two years, I mean, that that you need that, right? You know, so and and I think that that's what we've seen with with Tampa, like uh, overall maturation of the group, and then just the right sort of fitting in the the the, the right puzzle pieces at, at the bottom end of the roster, because sometimes you need players like that to 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 lift and support uh, the, the star players, you know, and having said all that, I mean, it was, it was at that point, Kucherov line, that was just flat out sensational. And, and, you know, was, you know, it's funny how we end up talking about, about change, but, but really, you know, the core is what won it from, right. Vasilevsky and goal, headman on the blue line and point and Kucherov up front. those four guys and Sam close if he was healthy, would have been a fifth, but uh, they, the Tampa, they are who they are because of those four guys, and and maybe we should, you know, actually spend more time talking about them than 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 about everything else.
1: Chatting with our NHL insider Eric DeHatchik, here on Hockey Central at noon. I'm Peter Klein. He is Will Nult.
0: Uh, Eric, I guess just uh, thoughts on, on Victor Hedman with the Conn Smythe win. I know that uh, he has worked hard to not only be the top defenseman in the world, but obviously a Norris Trophy winner, and, and now he can add this to his resume. Uh, was it the right choice, and, and your thought on, on Hedman's playoffs?
3: Yeah, no. a great question. So I did not vote for the Conn Smythe this year because I wasn't covering any games live, um, but I have voted lots in the past, at least 25 times. I was going through it in, in my head. And I have always felt that um, that defensemen probably don't get enough attention in, in in the overall voting in terms of the contributions they make. If you look at the at the time on ice, if you look at the way they, they run the, uh, the power play, if you look at the key defensive moments in the game, the guys that are winning the face-offs and the defensemen that are defending in, in the front of the net. So I just think that you know, like it, it's the teams that win. You know, you know, you kind of want to have that that defenseman that, that can play all those minutes and can do all those different uh, things for you. I mean, Detroit, when, when they won those championships, it was Nick Lindstrom. You know, when Anaheim won, they had Pronger and, and Niedermeyer, you know, Calgary and McInnes, uh, you know, and, and McCrimmon. And, and so I, I I thought he was the MVP of the playoffs, and I was very pleased that our Association of Professional Hockey Writers voted for him. But but I also, you know, like I'm, I'm sitting there thinking in my own mind, how how would I be voting? And it would be like, Headman won point two. And then three is either going to be Kucherov or Vasilevsky. But to me, there was a, there was a clear differentiation in my own mind between the top two and the and the next two. All four were critical. All four guys were really important in terms of, of what Tampa was able to accomplish. But I just think that that Headman was the glue, and I think it was his inability. Like he he missed a game last year because of a suspension, but he was he he was hurt. Like he, he the games that he played, he wasn't. Uh, 100%, and, and you could tell he wasn't the same player in the playoffs last year as he was in the regular season as he, as he normally is. And that, more than anything, I believe, led to, to Tampa losing in the first round. So this year, you've got Hedman healthy, productive, playing great, and I, I think that that was the single biggest reason that they won. And then, then to me, then that's the the, the the reason that you would vote for him for the consmite. Right? So I, I thought it was, it was a good selection by the panel.
0: And your thoughts, I guess, just overall on the playoffs. I think going in, a lot of skepticism around. We had no idea what it would look like uh, as the the plan started to come together. Uh, We thought, okay, it it looks good, but the teams have got to get to the bubble safely in their own cities before we can really uh, start to watch this hockey unfold. And then as they get in the bubble, they go nine consecutive weeks with no positive tests. It cost them a lot of money with testing and everything that went on with it. And there certainly was a grind uh for those teams that were in there for all 64 days but uh just a thought on on just the the job done by the NHL and the players association to pull all this off in, in amid
3: a worldwide pandemic. Yeah, I I mean it, you know I'm I'm not the first person that's going to say that that they all collectively deserve a lot of credit and it's uh you know I I, I saw a little bit of, of messaging on social media that you know that the quality of the hockey was falling off at the end, and it wasn't quite as, you know, as exciting as it had been. But but if you take sort of the entire nine week package, essentially, you know, they play five playoff rounds in in 59 days, and to be able to to have the fairly across the board high level of of hockey, just aesthetically, you know, just the, you know, like you know, you, if you want to put together a highlight package of these playoffs, you don't have to look very hard. There was there was tons of really good hockey played brilliant individual plays it was it was a good tournament you know there were some turkeys there were some bad games uh, you know for certain sort of for sure that preliminary round among the teams that were sort of automatically seeded into the playoffs was was not great but but you know the the play in round was was exceptional the first round was the way first round always is and you know, the, the, you know, when you get down to the end, it, it tends to be, you know, a survival of the fittest a little bit. And, and I think that there were some, a lot of players beat up at uh, at the end. But but compared to, you know, what we normally see in the playoffs with all of the travel and all the fatigue that normally uh, surfaces by the time you get to the fourth round, I I thought I thought it was great. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, if, if you'd asked me to to make a bet at the start of the playoffs and said. What are the chances that in nine weeks there are zero COVID positive tests? It would be like no, that, that can't happen. The law of averages says that can't happen. So the fact that they were able to pull that part of it off was extraordinary. The fact that they were able to to keep the level of play fairly high, you know, across the board for you know two months, um, yeah, it was it was quite an accomplishment. That, you know, part of the problem, of course, is that that we in, in our industry you know, like the, the, it just ended yesterday and almost immediately your thought comes to what's next, right? So well, what's next is the draft and then, then free agency. But, you know, of all the people that I've spoken to in the last month around the National Hockey League, they are just mystified as to what will come next because, you know, we, they have just completed a season in which they did get five, six of a regular, regular season plate. So, you know, some revenues coming in, you know, you lost what 100 games of playoff revenue probably, and and then those games at the end of the season. But you know it, it's a bad year, but but it's not you know catastrophic. But no, nobody I I talked to thinks they can go ahead with a plan to play that doesn't at some point include getting paying customers into the building because it's the it's the only way. It's a business, right? It's a business, and how can you run a business if your revenue streams are 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 close to zero so that to me is going to be the the, the next part you know you can and it's like they always say you know you can enjoy it for the moment if you're if you're the people that put it on but but next year arrives now and um, and i can't even tell you you know like if if they're playing by January 1st, I think they'll, they'll consider themselves extremely fortunate. If they have people in the building, even on a limited basis, you know, 20% capacity by February the 1st, I think they'll consider themselves fortunate. It's going to be a crazy ride from here until the next time they drop the puck for keeps.
0: Probably still, even one you can't answer, but my final one for you maybe the only thing we can kind of debate or talk about right now when it comes to next season is the number of games. And obviously, a lot of that is tied to when they begin. But Gary Bettman from the beginning, Eric, has been adamant about 82 games. They've lost enough revenue as it is, so you can see why they're pushing it for a full 82. But my only question for you is is that a realistic ask with the Summer Olympics postponed to 2021?
3: Yeah, it doesn't seem that way to me. Like I, I understand, like he's the voice of the National Hockey League. You know, to to raise the white flag right now would be, you know, probably he would say premature. Uh, but I think deep down he has to realize that that there are, you know, that they have to f- consider every possibility, and and one of the possibilities is is a lockout-shortened type of season. So you know, let's say it, it isn't until February the first that you can you can start playing with people in the building, you know, rather than, than try and, and, and do, you know, like 10 or 15 games in the bubble, which is something that they're thinking about, starting the bubble and then you know, then move, you know, through various progressions. Um, you, know, you know, maybe at some point you have to think about playing 48. They've always said in the past that 48 is, you know, the minimum that they felt was required to salvage any kind of meaningful season. And they've done that in the past. But here's a worst case scenario for you. Can you imagine not playing any games. Like, look, like what, what if, you know, the, the the pandemic gets worse and they get to the point where there is, you know, that there, there's no, you know, there's no chance that you can get fans in the building. So what are you going to do? Are you going to try and put it on as a major television thing for the regular season? You know, it's one thing to do it in in a short two month period for the playoffs, but I don't see how you can do it in the regular season. I mean, one of the things that they will have to look at, even though publicly they don't want to acknowledge it is not playing simply not playing the same way that they didn't play in, you know, four five when they lost the whole season to the, to the lockout, they could, they, they, they may have to look at no hockey until, you know, until September of, of next year, 12 months from now. And then, you know, and then, then you're back on schedule. And I don't think, you know, I'm going to put that as a 5% chance right now, but I think that depending on what happens in the world in the next three to six months, you cannot completely rule that out. That that they, they simply will lose another full season because of this. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's uh, you're right. You, you can't answer it. And and speculating it just depresses me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say um, thanks
0: for bringing us down and this hit, Eric. We yeah, really yeah, it. yeah. Are you guys
3: talk about hockey for twelve months. The yeah,
0: again, We're out of time, Eric. Got to go. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just
1: kidding. <laughs> um, I I would love to be in those meetings just to see some of the weird suggestions that are thrown out, like the hey, what if. Every game outdoors, all football stadiums, let's just go. I, I think those right. uh, those meetings would be fascinating. Um, uh, Will was jesting, but we do kind of have to go, Eric. But uh, normally the Stanley Cup is done. We're getting ready for the draft and free agency. NHL insiders are thinking about going to the cottages or the cabins, depending on where you live. I've never been to cottage country in November. I don't think it's awesome. Uh, so what does uh, a fall into winter, and as you mentioned, potentially spring and summer, uh, off-season have in the cards for uh, Eric DeHatchuk?
0: Eric, you can't wow. even escape to California. What's going on, man?
3: <laughs> I know. No, you're right about that. And, and our cottage is closed for the season. Yeah, you're right. No, I, you know what, the the, the same uncertainty that applies to everyone applies to me too. You know, we, we, you know, uh, can't take a foot off the gas pedal now, because as you say, uh, the draft and the free agency is going to be, you know, fascinating this year. And, uh, you know, and then we're going to get to the, you know, the, uh, an off season where, you know, if the snow comes early, I, I guess you're going to see me in the mountains, uh, you know, becoming a skier again. So, that's that's <laughs> the best answer I can give you right now because I really don't know. You know, we're going to maybe do a lot of feature writing at the Athletic too until we get, uh, until we get hockey back playing again. So, I don't know. It's uh, crazy, uh, crazy times, right? So, yeah, that, that, that's yeah, the worst yeah. answer uh, of the whole segment, I know. But, I, but I, honestly, I, I don't know. Like, I really don't know what, uh, what this offseason is going to bring. Um, When's the last time you've the, been on skis? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's just it. Uh, I haven't been, I haven't had time to, to ski in years and, and maybe this is the year that, you know, that, I, that I do have time to ski again. Are they still selling those uh, passes, those preseason passes? Do you know? <laughs> I have no idea, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's sure. maybe
0: the first time in a while. Uh, you know you what, actually,
3: that, that. As I'm talking this out, that might be the kind of thing that I have to look at as soon as I get off love the it. air to see if, uh, if that's still a, uh, those discounted passes are still possible at this late yeah. stage of the game.
1: <laughs> look at that some helpful advice as we we close out the saving thanks for this eric we'll chat again soon
3: all right thanks guys
1: thank you there is uh, our nhl insider eric Dehatrick. and yeah i hadn't thought of that that all, all these hockey writers um they they wouldn't have had a chance to go skiing in for however long their career was as hockey kind of takes up a lot of the winter maybe uh some new hobbies found by a lot of people over the next few months hey will klein have you ever ski like what's your skiing background <laughs> i went skiing once we went on a, a class trip in grade seven um to like the one place in saskatchewan you can ski and oh, no. the instructor Good. yeah the, the instructor after half an hour told me i was useless and to give up that is an actual quote from an actual instructor Oof. to an actual grade seven kid so Those, uh... i uh
0: those uh those yeah. I was gonna say those teachers and instructors in in a of are not very kind Pete. I remember uh you were telling you in, in your curling story you were told to get up because you're melting the ice i mean this is not uh this is not encouraging for you with some of these instructors
1: yeah no apparently i uh Apparently, I just bring it out of people. Just, uh, oh, you, you want to just lay there having a concussion? Well, you better get up. Uh, but, uh, thanks to, to Eric DeHatchuk, who joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, now open for limited dine in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza past the steaks and ribs since 1975 at 60 60 Memorial Drive Northeast. We'll see if we can bring up any more traumatic issues from my childhood when we come back on Hockey Central at noon.
0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, the Fan.
1: As the Stanley Cup final is over, we are now officially into the off-season for every National Hockey League franchise. Um we don't know how long that offseason is going to be, Will, uh, but this is certainly going to be one for the record books. Uh, as the Stanley or it's the NHL season. NHL season lasts about 360 days. And as Duha said, the offseason might do that as well. This is it's a weird time we are living in. But is there as we go into the offseason now one storyline or something you're going to be following at least for the first couple of weeks or months?
0: I just think as things drag out, like I know we're all waiting for the first day of free agency, October 9th. But just going back to the discussion we had yesterday, Pete, about some of these, you know, older players who usually just roll with, you know, rolling one-year deals kind of every single off season. I, I am curious if it does drag on as long as, as some have talked about or some are anticipating it does in terms of the off season. does that, you know, make a decision a little easier, a little tougher for guys like Joe Thornton and Zdeno Chara. Uh, that's kind of the one thing I'm watching for. Because like I said, they're not going to be signing contracts October 9th. I, I think those are ones that those teams will kind of, you know, almost talk and, and ha- have conversations with the player and what that contract ask might be on a one-year deal. But I don't see those deals being signed too early. And, and if things drag on as, as long as, as maybe it does – Uh, maybe we see those players saying thanks, but no thanks and actually retiring. So um, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. Interesting to watch, uh, fun's the wrong word. It'll be interesting to watch how it does play out because I think that's the one storyline, a with the flat cap and and B with the uncertainty of the start date for next season. What does that uh, impact have on some of the older players?
1: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. How many of them get kind of accustomed to, you know, it's been a couple months since I've been beaten up. I kind of, Kind of like not being sore all the time. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, kind of like waking wow, up wow, and, and
0: still having feeling in my arm. Maybe I'm
1: just going to keep doing this for the rest of my life. Right, yeah, like I'm a little tired because I still have all my teeth, so like brushing my teeth in the morning is a bit yeah. difficult, but uh, other than that, this has been great. Uh, so yeah, well, we'll see how all of that plays out. Uh, here at Sportsnet 960 The Fan, we are constantly trying to gather feedback about our radio station, so we ask you, and trust me when I tell you, a lot of decisions at this place are made based off of our listener survey. Head over to sportsnet.ca slash 960, take our latest survey before October 8, 18th and tell them you want so much more pro wrestling talk on this station time for us to take a break when we come back steinberg joins as the big show is underway on a blue chase playoff game day sportsnet
0: 960 the fan